Hey guys, it's your boy Eli from the Geeks and Turrets, and I'm here for another comic book recommendations. And today is October 2nd. This is the beginning of Halloween. Well, technically it's not yesterday, but you know what I mean. So I thought it'd be a cool idea to do some kind of horror theme or scary kind of comic books to check out. Now, I'm not usually that kind of into horror, more into the horror films, but I do have some recommendations to do. I have some for the, for the, for the next few weeks. And let's start kind of small today, something that you most likely would never hear often with this kind of book. But just to get, but this is an interesting book to recommend. It's it's still new. It's by this point, it, it's on its second or third issue. Um, and I have the first two, and it's it's a pretty okay series. But if you're a fan of this, then I highly recommend it. And that is Iron Maiden, Legacy of the Beast. That's right. So those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan. They were here in Houston. I couldn't make it. Had a had a job. So, but everyone else I know went there and had a lot of fun. So it's, that's a good thing. So Iron Maiden is like one of the big bands from the UK. They were part of the new wave of British heavy metal. And I know this is a comic book recommended books talk talk, but you know why are you talking about heavy metal? Well, that's the point of this book. So essentially. It is inspired by the video game that was also inspired by the band called Legacy of the Beast, where you play around as their mascot, Eddie, and go around beating demons, sorcerers, wizards, uh, the devil, evil Nazis. So <laughs> you can kind of see why I chose to do this. It's kind of it's very uh, heavy, old school heavy metal with it, but it also has like these fun kind of interactions. And yeah, so this is essentially this is kind of like a giving more story to the actual comic, to I mean to the actual game. I'm sorry, because the game is usually it's kind of fast paced. You know, it's a very tur like a turn based RPG kind of stuff, and this gives a lot more story content. So the game itself is kind of in story, but it's a very fun game. It's very difficult at some points too. I have often have a hard time getting through it. But no, let's let's start talk about the story. So the story essentially it's it's continuing the the whole theme of the game where you go and start where you go as Eddie and start saving the world. And this book essentially it goes off that and you go into like all the stuff that eventually happens in the game. You have characters that were in the game and you our main character is Eddie who is basically 95% a silent protagonist. If you guys don't know what that means, it usually you tend to see that in mostly in video games where the silent protagonist doesn't say a thing. You're supposed to immerse yourself as the character. So this is an interesting take on that. So our character is a silent protagonist. He usually um, responds with grunts like, uh, kind of stuff. So you won't see as much of an um, interesting, <laughs> interesting uh, story dynamic there. But what you will see is like these cool, like mystic effects and kind of like body horror kind of stuff. And even at some point in the book, it goes over stuff that happens in the game. So it talks about Eddie fighting the Wicker Man, this evil Nazi, and one of my favorite things that happens. And I'm putting the cam I'm putting the the page on the camera, and I'm going to describe it to you, audio listeners, so you never check this out. Uh, Eddie rips the head off of the devil, which is a clear is a clear reference to the album uh, Number of the Beast, where um, Eddie's literally holding well. The co not the exact cover, but like the EMP, where Eddie's holding the head of the of the devil and showing it to the and showing it to the uh, whoever's looking at the album, 
but no, it's clearly inspired by that. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of nods to like Iron Maiden's music and the and their albums. So it's uh, if you're again if you're a huge Iron Maiden fan, I recommend check this out because it's so much fun. Um, art wise, it's kind it's since it's kind of like a third party or you know like a lesser known group than say Marvel or DC. And the art can be uh fifty fifty, and I'm trying to look for the exact page where, uh, it kind of proves that. And well, here we go. Usually, it's there's not that much color. It's very um, if for you audio guys, it's basically a scene where this guy's walking around. There's not that much good of color. It's kind of dark, which you kind of expect from a book like this. But it's uh, I don't know the lack. There's too much red, in my opinion, for these things. It's supposed to, and it makes sense. It's a lot of fire, a lot of destruction, but at the same time, it's um, it's kind of distracting. It's kind of muted, you know. Everyone's wearing kind of like the same kind of stuff. There's no app. There's a lot of absence of bright colors, but you know, there are times it makes sense, and a lot of the lighting is weird, and <laughs> there are times where this is not meant for kids. <laughs> And if you guys know anything about um, Iron Maiden, they're not the heaviest guys, but they're pretty, they're going to be pretty metal. There's a reason why they were the big band in like the 70s, 80s with uh, titles like um, Number of the Beast. Um, I can't really remember most of them. Oh, shit. I'm really showing some bad. Let me look up some real quick because I'm spacing out. It's Ace is High, which is part of the Power Slave album. Um, that's one of my favorite songs. But uh, you know, besides the point, it's there's a lot of references to the to the music, a lot of references to the to albums, especially the art. But no, if if you want to see like just your buddy Eddie doing some badass stuff, and maybe listen to some music in the background, some Iron Maiden music in the background, and this is your jam. It's really fun thing to watch, and if you're a fan of this guy, of these guys, they're it, <laughs> it doesn't disappoint. But do I feel like it could be better? Oh yeah, hell yeah, hell fucking yeah, it could be better. There's, like I said, there's not much towards the story. And for those of you who are wondering, like who published this? This eventually was published by um, uh, Heavy Metal Magazine, which is still around, surprisingly. And they used to do like a lot of crazy stories back in the day, back when uh, now when heavy metal's so good. But you know, it's uh, it was a different time period. So now that we got that out of the way, it was a fun read. I still recommend it. it it's still pretty early. It's a five-issue miniseries, and we only just recently got, um, I want to say recently got the third by this recording, but I still would recommend it. If I see it at any comic book shop that I go to, I'm like, oh, I gotta pick it up. You know, it's Iron Maiden. I'm a huge fan, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pick it up. I gotta pick it up. I, mean, I gotta support my group, and that kind of stuff. Um, brand loyalty, you know. But it's a lot of it's it's fun for anyone who's interested into that kind of a genre. And now we get to the big two, Marvel and DC. So last week I talked a lot about Marvel. So I thought I'm uh, starting off this one with DC. And this is another continuous going series at this moment. Um, we're recently get the day of this recording. We the fifth issue just released, so I'm about to go bounce <laughs> to go get that soon. But essentially, the book that I want to talk about. So. A while back, Marvel did essentially something very interesting. It was called Marvel Zombies. So essentially, uh, there was this zombie virus that affected everyone, especially superheroes. And now they go around eating people. And it's one of the most interesting stories ever. It's 
it doesn't go down being like a zombie book like kind of like walking dead or something like that like we start seeing the the how humanity would act around this idea instead the zombies have personality in that book but to dc dc didn't do something like that well they had something like that it was called blackest night and it was um an interesting take on zombies where if you know the green lanterns you know those who are worthy of it who uh, have a strong will will be able to harness the power of the rings and how each ring each color spectrum has a different thing so jeff johns introduced a whole the black rings which means death so if you're a character who's deceased you are higher chances are you're gonna get the black ring and start off like this cool zombie thing that jeff johns is kind of well known for doing in this in this time period but no i want to talk about another book this book just recently came out and i think it's one of the most interesting uh zombie takes that the superhero genre has done and that is and this is a variant cover and for those of you who are listening i'm going to describe describe the cover real quick but the book is called deceased so essentially it's the cover <laughs> when i so a quick note because again describing the cover Essentially, it's Batman, but, like, with, like, his jaw opened up with, like, decay around his face, bloodshot red eyes kind of stuff. And it's so cool. And when I got this when I was at um, my local convention, uh, Comic Palooza here in Houston. And I immediately wanted to get the other uh, bearing cover, which was, like, it was, like, this nod to the movie It, where Joker was giving like Robin a uh I'm sorry comic though where Joker was giving Robin this um the red balloon <laughs> like a young Robin was just like standing there uh Pennywise, Pennywise I'm Joker was giving him the little red balloon and it was like so freaky it was like oh my god this is perfect the <laughs> two murderous clowns we'll get to them one day and I was like oh I gotta get that but I have to go do something real quick and now that variant is gone and I was very upset. But I still ended up getting the book, so it's a lot of fun. So essentially, in this story, uh, in Deceased, Darkseid, who is this, the equivalent of Thanos, but a lot more badass and a lot more scary in the DC Universe, comes in, kidnaps Cyborg, and believes that he, with Cyborg's help, he can find the anti-life equation. The anti-life equation being basically this sort of mathematical... Um, I know, it's that nerdy shit. Uh, mathematical idea that you can prove that life is meaningless yeah and he's using cyborg for some sort of weird experiment and everything goes wrong in so many ways possible and you expect it to be like you know cyborg just loses all his humanity and just becomes a subservient slave or something like most stories about the life equation tend to be anti-life equation tend to be, but this turn this this doesn't something different. Like I said, zombies. Instead, it does like sort of this sort of weird viral infection, where if you were just to say look at your phone, and see some sort of weird message, you automatically become a the sort of cr- weird craving monster that de- desires flesh, and you it's crazy. It starts off with dark side, and you're like, oh, dark side supposed to be like this. Uh, oh, near omnipotent being that like could take like three supermen to beat yeah three supermen something like that and he turns and starts like screwing things up 
and then this is eventually passed on to Earth. And now all the heroes and all the citizens of like of Earth have like you know are trying to run away from this zombie apocalypse that spread like wildfire more than you would see in like any film or um iteration. And I gotta say the art is expressive as hell, and like a lot of and everything goes wrong in so many ways that you're sometimes surprised. And in this story, um. You know, Superman's trying to find a way to see what's happening. Cyborg is um, just getting away, and just everything goes hell. And it, and one of the things that like, you don't see see it in like most zombie films is like it gets a lot more bloodier. So there's this I'm about to show you guys on the through the video, and I'm about to describe it through the audio again, where um, Cyborg is in the middle of town, and he has unknowingly passed on the virus. And the first thing all these people start doing uh, is ripping each other's each other to shreds, and that is crazy. So like right here, you can see some dude. He's like gnawing at his face, tearing it to, to tearing the flesh off of it. It's so crazy. And Cyborg is just like, "What is going on?" And you know, the first person to respond is always Superman. He starts seeing all this stuff. And like he, once he realizes stuff is going down, he's like, "Oh, I gotta get home to my wife and child." And while and who else is there is Damian Wayne, who I've said before is the son of Bruce Wayne. And Bruce is one of the first people to figure this out, and all these people are coming at him. Um, and there's this very intimate scene where of Damian, you tend not to see it a lot, because uh, they oftentimes predict uh, depict uh, Damian to be like this cold. Uh, kid because he was raised by the League of Assassins, uh, League of Shadows, basically um, a group of assassins to, you know, kill is kill, I'll do it because I have to. And now that he's been raised by Batman, he starts feeling emotions and you see that emotion. He's like, there's a scene where, and I'm about to show it to, to everybody and I'll describe it to the, well, you guys know the drill, where Damien is essentially lo is looking at his phone and he wants to um, check up on his dad. He's worried, and you don't really see that often. And that's one of the best, one of the cool, cool things that you tend to see in a lot of zombie media is that you know I got to talk about with my family. My family's important and stuff like that. And you get that with someone who usually doesn't like care or like doesn't seem to care, which is Damien. But yes, it it, it sets the tone, and this is gonna be really creepy, really messed up, and really uh, crazy. And, and sadly, you know, superheroes are not, um, they, they'll they get infected. So, yeah. Well, but while in, say, something like Marvel Zombies, where it was more, it was messed up, it kind of fun in a weird way. I, I don't know how to describe that. Like, in the Marvel Zombies, at some point, Galactus comes to destroy the Earth. And you're like... Oh, yeah, Galactus is going to end this zombie apocalypse. Nope, they get taken over. He gets taken over by all the Marvel zombies. It's so crazy, and then they get cosmic powers and stuff. It's Marvel zombies is more way out there, more fun. This is more serious, and this is it has emotional impact. And, one of the, and sadly, at this point in the story, stuff happens. You know, people get ripped up. Um... Characters like Nightwing, who is like second tier to Batman, is getting 
all, you know, beaten up. He gets bitten and he turns into a zombie. And Batman's at his house, at his manor, with Alfred. And it's it's an this is one of my favorite scenes where Batman has to fight his former proteges because not only is Damian Wayne there, but I mean, um, Nightwing there, but also um, the third Robin who goes by Red Robin. I'm trying to remember his um. It's Damien, is the fourth. Uh, Tim Drake, Tim Drake, there we go. I know, I know. Um, he starts fighting, and he's trying to protect Alfred. And it's a very, um, it's one of those scenes where you, whenever you see, especially in like zombie film, in zombie uh, medium, where you see your favorite character start getting eaten, it's, it ends, that's how the first issue ends. It ends with Batman getting, and I know it's a huge spoiler, but, I'm not going to go more into as where it goes on. I'm just talking, talking about the first issue here. But it essentially, um, he gets caught and he gets bitten. And that's an emotional moment for her. That was one of the big moments. I wouldn't say emotional. I'm just saying because that's the first thing that comes to mind. But that was like one of the most, what the F happened is, and it made me continue reading. And there's a lot of great scenes as uh, in this series. Like they treat it with respect. As to a zombie apocalypse, and it's not, it's not lighthearted like Marvel zombies kind of tends to be, but essentially it's a lot. It's a lot. It's what you would want from a zombie book involving your favorite um, superheroes. And yeah, I highly recommend it. It's really good. It, like I said, like I said earlier, we as of today's recording, the fifth um, issue came out, and this is a six issue miniseries. So we got one more issue to go, and it's a. Uh, Rightfully that it comes, it's going to end around um, October, you know, Halloween season. Some say it would have been better if you released it on October. But we wouldn't have gotten this awesome conclusion by the end of October. But it's so much fun. It It's like, oh, why do I keep saying so much fun? It's, um, it's an interesting read. I recommend it. It's, it's something I would, I would like to see more people read about. And a lot more interest, and a lot, and an interesting take on the DC universe. You never tend to see like this stuff. Um, is it canon? I don't know. Is this an alternate universe? Maybe. All I know is that I'm reading a fun story, messed up horror zombie book coming from DC, <laughs> and it might be better than Marvel Zombies. I don't know. That's a different taste, but yeah. So going back to the Marvel train real quick. One of the book. One of the, well, this isn't technically a horror book. It's a very much a psychological um, book, and if, and this is going more for the people who are more into psychological stuff, especially when it comes to um, horror. Well, this is more of an interesting psychological stuff, and I think it's 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 a fun read. That's the recommended, and that is Daredevil the Man. And it's a Daredevil book, but this one just goes by the Man Without Fear. This is a five issue miniseries, five six issue miniseries. Where, um, and this, and the reason I choose this, I'm going back to say, retracting the stuff that I said earlier, there is some kind of weird scary elements, and it's kind of like scary for the mind, where, um, you know, Matt Murdock, he's been through an accident, he's almost crippled, yeah, no, blind and crippled, only to Matt, and essentially it's sort of a battle of the minds, where he has to convince himself to keep going. Even though all this doubt is on him, um, where he he doesn't want to keep going, but he has to keep going, and a lot of the art makes it seem more horror, 
because there's a scene and I'm about to, I'm about to show it to you guys where he's trying to save all his um, loved ones and there's this sort of weird creature like thing with his outfit and it looks so almost horrifying it's sort of so that's what I'm saying like it's kind of like it's psychological but you can kind of argue that it's psychological horror because it's it's his uh, it's his mind that he's fighting and all these sort of evil negative um, thoughts that go on in his head and he's and especially in this first issue he's being like ripped down to shreds to like what he is and it's sort of this weird horror vibe to it and it's essentially it's established it reestablishes matt as the man without fear who has a go-to without fear and it's so good it's one of my favorite books that i've read it's one of my favorite miniseries and it's so interesting how they took this idea of matt you know struggling with his guilt his regrets and all that stuff and try to make it more like Again, in this weird psychological way where you would just see him like, you know, beaten down and barred and you're struggling to like get back up. And now it's self-doubt and his self-doubt is personified as this sort of evil representation of Daredevil. And it's sort of horrific to see. And you can kind of argue that that's supposed to mean how this life has essentially consumed him, how he has no um, room for happiness anymore. Which is kind of like weird and true to Daredevil because at some point, you know, he do he does lose a lot of loved ones, especially romantic interest, which is kind of sad. I think the, I mean, Daredevil has a lot, lot of romantic interest and they have almost, except maybe one or two, did not survive. And that's a lot of the the guilt and weight that he has to go with. So, yeah. And the thing that really interests me about this book is that we delve that deep into his psyche and see sort of like the things that he's afraid of, the things that um, haunt him. And yeah, it's this, like I said, this is weird. You can almost argue that it's a psychological horror because of the way um, he has to fight sort of himself, um, the way the artist chooses to um, display the, the horror. And I just realized I didn't credit <laughs> the artists and writers for the last two books. So I'm probably going to do that right now. But no, the writer for The Man Without... Starting off The Man Without Fear, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, but no, the writer without, for The Man Without Fear. And by the way, th this issue that I have of Man Without Fear was one of the first issues to come out that it, that talks about um, you know, Stanley's passing. May he rest in peace. So it's, it's always interesting to go with that, to, to mention that. But it's written by Jed McKay. And this is drawn by Danilo S. Beirus. I hope I said that right. And credit to you guys for uh, credit to uh, to those guys who uh, did all this work because Danilo S. Beirus really captures sort of this weird horror take of of a uh, Daredevil, making it seem like making him understand that his psyche is really uh, dark and messed up, which just kind of makes sense. Um, DC's it was written by. Oh, I hate when I put it all the way in the back. Yeah, it's all the way in the back, like the last one. But, oh, I, I'm wrong. I can't really find it. Okay, Tom Taylor with art by Trevor Harrison and Stephen 
we don't know. Which uh, means that there's premium alter. And whoa, there's three artists for this for DCs. Oh wow, um, Trevor Harstein, Stefano Guido, and James Heron. I'm pretty sure I misspelled mispronounced one of those. And yeah, <laughs> which makes sense because there's a lot of detail in, in these books. So yeah, uh, Legacy of the Beast was written by and it was also drawn by. Give me one second. Yeah, written by oh, oh <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm gonna try to my best. I hope I don't butcher it. But apparently it's written by Lexi Leon. That's Lexi with two L's. I don't know how that works. Um I apologize. Uh the script was written by Ian Edgington, pencils by Kevin West. And yeah. That's those are the three those are the first three books. Now, the next book I'm gonna talk about it's uh, well it's not the first issue that i got it's uh, one that was recently released but but i'm talking about the whole series in this one it's and that is this current this year's current run of venom by donny cates and drawn by ryan most of the time it's really ryan stegman but this one's by even canelo but essentially it's um Sort of this interesting take on the whole Venom symbiote thing. And this happened after uh, Spider-Man 800 where Flash Thompson was, you know, recently deceased. He lost the Venom symbiote to Eddie Brock in earlier issues of that. And um, it starts off with um, Eddie sort of like saying, man, Eddie, and that, um, you know, Flash was the best of us. He should have kept the symbiote. I don't deserve it, um, and all this crazy stuff. And the symbiote's like, no, 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 you, you, you shouldn't feel that way. Sort of this weird dyna- dynamic, um, sort of relationship between the, the symbiote and Eddie. But as we go, but the reason I chose this for October in the sense of horror is that la- is that a lot of the art is very like dark and creepy. While I don't have the first issue on me i do have an example to go by in terms of ryan stegman and i'll talk about this book later at some point when it's actually done that this book is um where ryan stegman and donny cape are really works it's kind of hard and it's sort of the coloring and the use of expressions and i'm talking about um his absolute carnage show book where if you especially see if you see like the first few pages versa few pages you kind of see like the sort of horror element in Ryan segments great art and you kind of see that more as it goes along and try to make sure this isn't an absolute carnage talk because that's going to come soon trust me because I'm, I'm loving absolute carnage but no venom essentially and which leads into absolute carnage by the way also first off this is the um, issue 18 and I can't remember the name of the cover art of the, of the artist who did the the cover for this, but they're kind of doing this sort of weird uh, Immortal Hulk reference, where Banner's face would disgustingly turn into the Hulk, and I thought it was pretty cool that they did this for Venom, where it's um, Eddie's face turning into Venom. But essentially, the book is it goes into more of like the history of the Venom symbiote, uh, the symbiotes. Sorry, not Venom symbiotes, just the symbiotes. And they give this sort of dark horror vibe, and they talk about like these sort of elder beings who 
killed one another and this sort of dark being that uses this e- this dark sword and it goes into the origins of why symbiotes are scared of you know their weaknesses are always like hyper like high-pitched sounds and fire and it goes into that and it's just sort of this dark and creepy and especially the way it's slid and the use of shadows is really captures that sort of darkness and sort of weirdness and venom sort of starts changing into this more grotesque looking thing and it kind of and this weird way of capturing the relationship between venom and eddie and not making it seem like it's a good thing unlike some some of the movies and earlier representations rather makes it look like yeah this isn't a good relationship for eddie to be in and if you go further into the books we go into um eddie's history with the symbiotes the surprise history of the symbiotes who have been here actually longer before Spider-Man came with the black suit after Secret Wars, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> and it kind of and referencing between uh, different comics is also pretty awesome. But the the one thing I really like about it is that it, and surprisingly, kind of weirds me out and kind of annoys me at the same time. Is that for a reason, and especially with Ryan Stegman, is that in his art, it's always raining, like Watchmen kind of raining, uh, Sin City really more like raining where everywhere he goes it's raining and it's always dark and there's barely any sunshine <laughs> and it's but it works it works for the for the story that um donny cates is writing and if you heard me say it before i really love donny cates writing and especially when it comes to how he's doing these books it's so much um more interesting than past iterations not saying that the past iterations have been bad but rather it just does stuff that no one has really tried with Venom. And you kind of want to do that. And he does, and you don't really see like that lethal protector stuff where he's always like chopping people's heads off. Which makes a lot more sense to be talking about in sort of these recommendations. But I chose to talk about the other stuff because it's a lot more interesting. And yeah. <laughs> so I think that comes nearly to the end of the artist, our recommendations. But essentially, yeah, um, Venom has been an ongoing series currently, and it's been continuously praised, especially by uh, Donny Cates' writing, by the fans, and this sort of new take of Venom. And he's currently writing this event story at the time of this recording called Absolute Carnage, which I would I, I love, I love, I love it. And I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. It's still going, and I kind of want to give it to you guys when it's at least almost over or actually over i don't know yet <laughs> but yeah absolute carnage is great rorik donnie writing is great uh, and he really captures this weird this interesting horror vibe when it comes to venom and sort of this psychological relationship that he has with the with eddie between with the, the symbiote and yeah it's it's a lot of good stuff i've been singing the praises of this book for a while now but no, that's um, that's all the books I have for today. I have more books. Re- Honestly, I have a lot more books that I want to talk about. But I'm going to be subbing those up for the next recommendations. So, yeah. Uh, that's about it, guys. Thanks for uh, checking us out. Um, this has been Eli of the Geeks Interiors, where you can catch us on CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast, along with a lot of other stuff. So guys, it's been fun. I hope to catch you guys in another rec- another of my recommendations 
and you know it's october so go out there and have some fun be mindful of the kids please and yeah it's been the alive and the geese and dreams and this has been the comics foundations of october 2nd and we are signing out